2, if you would. Acts chapter 2. Sure appreciated the singing today, last night. Today I appreciate Katie and Brother Wes and Sister Gregor on the piano. Thank you all so very much. God bless you. You really set the atmosphere for uh, things that the Lord's wanting to speak to our hearts about. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to speak on the subject of characteristics of a successful church. That's the goal of all of us is to have that successful church. See, I would rather God say well done more so than well said. And there's a lot of talkers out there. But I want Him to say well done, thou good and faithful servant. Acts chapter 2, if you would, verse 1, and the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, right? <laughs> I'm glad some of you are listening. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every na uh, nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, and the multitude came together and were confronted, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. I wonder where the miracle really was. Was it in the speaking or in the hearing? Alright? And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein uh, we were born. Let's stop right there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help me say what needs to be said. I pray that you open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, and just help us to hear from heaven today. Bless, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, in our text, we do not find the birth of the church. There are some people that erroneously teach that this is the birth of the church. No, I believe that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, started the church. And when he gathered his disciples, I believe that, uh, of course, there was a treasure there, there was a uh, soul winning program there. There was everything. Uh, he started out and uh, he won them and brought them in and, um, and uh, taught them the things of God. And I believe that's when the church assembled, the church begun. I believe that this is a, when the church was empowered, okay? And I think that the church of Jesus Christ ought to be uh, empowered with uh, power from on high. But having said that, uh, in these verses, there are some characteristics of a successful church. And we're not going to be very long this morning at all. But at the same time, just please listen, listen fast and we'll get done fast. But the first thing that I see in verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What I see is unity. Unity. And that characterizes a successful church is unity. Uh, God's people ought to be united and in harmony one with another on the major issues uh, that we, we're confronted with. We must major on the majors and minor on the minors. Sadly, we see people majoring on minor things and minoring on major things. When well, we ought to major on the major things. And I'm so glad to be a part of a church that believes the Bible is the complete and errant fallible Word of God. I think that's all important, see? And that's a major thing. And I believe that salvation is by grace. Every, every dispensation, every, anywhere there's salvation, it's always by grace. 
Never by works. No one's going to stand before God and pat themselves on the back and say, uh, you initiated salvation and we finished it. No, 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 no. Uh, we're, we get to heaven, it's because of His grace. Always by His grace. Never, never by our works. Salvation is by grace. By, uh, and it's eternal and it's for whosoever will. Whosoever. Uh, it's crazy uh, seeing people talk about Calvinism. Uh, that's not a whole lot of the issue down where I'm at, but it's, it's heading that direction. And I think it's, it's sweeping a lot of uh, younger uh, preachers across our nation. Sadly, sadly. Uh, but uh, we believe that uh, salvation is for whosoever will. Uh, we also believe that mission is the mission of the church. I think these are major things. I'm glad to be a part of a church that believes in worldwide missions. In the, in the 32 years that I've been there, our church has been able to give now over $2 million to missions. And uh, we're, just, we're just elated. We don't have millionaires or, or wealthy folks that are a member of our church. When I told you that story about that one millionaire, uh, he never joined the church. And, uh, and though he gave, sac- he didn't give sacrificially, he gave of his abundance. Uh, we gave sacrificially. And uh, though he gave a, a great amount for us, uh, just before we opened up the facilities and said, y'all come, he died. And uh, the first service that we had in that church was his funeral. And it was absolutely packed out and I got to preach. Uh, they, they, had, they had millionaires and possibly billionaires there. Uh, they even had a movie star. Uh, I mean, the church was packed out. And we got to present the gospel. And we're thankful for that. But the mission of the church is missions. It's to get the whole world saved. That is what God has established as a major in the church. We're here to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. The church is supposed to do that. If you can't honor and glorify the Lord in whatever program, whatever fellowship, whatever thing you have, then you need to quit it. Okay? The Bible tells us unto Him, be glory in the church by Jesus Christ. Throughout all ages, world without end. Revelation chapter 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So the church, you and I, have been created to bring glory and honor to God. That is a major thing that we need to uh, look at. Okay, But we need to be unified in these major things. And unity characterizes a successful church. Secondly, we see there also in verse uh, 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all uh, with one accord in one place. Alright? Faithfulness characterizes a successful church. Um, The um, young couple back here, that uh, ex-Amish, that gave their testimony just a moment ago, uh, if there's something that I can encourage you to do, and, and, and by what you were say, talking, uh, it didn't sound like you were at the church every time the doors were open. It sounded like you missed a little bit, okay? And I'm, I'm glad you're going. But I'm going to tell you right now, as I'm telling everybody, uh, the devil knows that you're vulnerable. And you need to give yourself uh, to an authority to allow that church uh, to show you things and to help you get involved in the things of God through the ministry of that church. You need to unite with them uh, and be with them and thank God for them. And now you say, well, I don't agree with everything. I don't agree with everything with my wife, but we've been together for 43 years. 
She don't agree with everything with me. We've been together. We just made some decisions 43 years ago. We've stayed by it. And we're going to stay by it, okay? Faithfulness, okay? We see, we see uh, here uh, that faithfulness characterizes a successful church. Uh, what is faithfulness? It's being full of faith, just trusting God, and, and, and uh, things are going to work out. Just trust God, okay? And uh, keep, keep moving forward, moving forward. We also see in verse 4, and they uh, were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 8, it says, But ye shall receive power after that, in chapter 1, Acts 1, 8, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, and all in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Power characterizes a successful church. Uh, they got power from heaven to be witnesses. Uh, you know, when I yield myself to the carpenter, he, he accomplishes great things through me. When I yield myself, when the hammer yields itself to the carpenter, when the saw yields itself, uh, when my car yields itself to me, uh, we can go places and do things, you see. And so when I yield myself to God, God can do great things through me. Now, I don't get the credit any more than the hammer gets the credit for the house that the carpenter built. Uh, God gets the credit because God is the one that's getting the job done. But I'm telling you that, that the power that God gives us is the power to get people saved and to get people right that are wrong and to uh, give them the Word of God that will change their lives and, and take a cold, cold heart and, and make it warm and on fire for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's all kinds of things uh, that can happen. I know that we... We could talk about speaking in tongues. That's not really what I'm wanting to talk about. But I will tell you this much. Speaking in tongues isn't what the charismatics are doing today. Isn't it amazing how that they have to send uh, their tongue-speaking uh, missionaries to language school to learn a language uh, to go someplace in the world to speak a different tongue? I mean, there's, there's just a whole lot of things that just is not reasonable. If they had the gift of healing, why don't they go to the hospitals and I mean, they, there's just no end to their ministry if they had that gift. Just slap somebody on the head and say you're healed and, and the hospitals will be emptied out. And why is the, do, do they get sick? And how is it that they have to have doctors and, and uh, uh, glasses? And uh, now they don't wear glasses. They wear contacts so you don't know that they have glasses on. And, uh, it, and there's a whole lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense. Okay? But the bottom line is, speaking in tongues is a language, and it's a language to get lost people saved, okay? And that's what it is. And some of you can speak that language. Gates, that's all I know. Well, you, can you interpret that for me? Did he, didn't, didn't he just say he'd buy supper for everybody? That's right. See, where, there, where there's tongues, there's got to be an interpreter. And I just interpreted. What did he say? Okay, I'm doing good. And you? All right. So that's speaking in tongues. I, we've got people in our church speaking tongues. Uh, in the fact that they can speak Spanish, okay? Uh, now, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for this to happen. It's going to happen someday. I've been praying for it to happen. Where some 400-pound lady stands up in church, and she raises her hands, and she starts yabba-dabba-doing. And then when she gets through, I'm going to raise up my hand. I'm going to say, God gave me the interpretation of that. You just told everybody that you've been running around on your husband. They're not going to do that. Uh, we've had people from time to time uh, think that, the, that, that 
Baptist means charismatic. It doesn't mean charismatic. Uh, we, it means you, we're going to believe that book and we're going to practice that book, okay? And so these are some of the things you've got to kind of make sure that you, you, uh, you're preaching uh, establishes some things here, okay? But the church should have power, power to get people saved, power to use the Word of God skillfully to change people's minds so that they'll be more Christ-like. We see also in Scriptures here, uh, in, in verse 14, and uh, though we didn't get that far down, but we see where Peter stands up uh, with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, uh, Ye men of uh, Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. I, I see that a successful church emphasizes preaching. Now, I believe in singing. I believe in cantatas. I believe in all those things. I believe in these programs that we use uh, to honor God. I, I believe in them. But it should never, never, never replace preaching. Uh, that old-fashioned, leather-lung preaching is what God uses uh, to, to reach people. And so Peter stood up, he spoke up, and he demanded attention. And I believe preaching is different than teaching. Teaching tells the facts of the Bible. Uh, preaching applies the facts of the Bible. And when a man of God applies the facts, it doesn't sit well with everybody, unless you're one of those persons that come to church and say, Lord, uh, speak to my heart. And then you really open up your heart and let God speak to you through the preaching of His Word. And you know, sometimes it makes us mad because we don't like what we hear. And then it makes us sad because we start realizing that what is said is true. And then it makes us glad because we get right with God. And, and when you're right with God, you're happy. Okay? Uh, preaching can be offensive. Uh, John the Baptist was offensive. Paul was offensive. Jesus said, woe unto you hypocrites. Uh, he was offensive. Uh, Bible Baptist Church stands without apology for the preaching of the whole counsel of God. Not just partial, not just what Pastor Yoder wants to say, but the whole counsel of God. And, uh, and, and so, preaching characterizes a successful church. Now in verse 41, uh, the Scriptures say, Then they that gladly received His Word uh, were baptized, and the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. Uh, converts characterizes a successful church. Uh, we ought to be out trying to get lost people saved, keep people out of hell. You see, God didn't establish a Bible Baptist church uh, f uh, to be a place for, for people to get, just get better. He established this church to keep people out of hell. And He saved you and I so that we could serve our purpose and that's to keep people out of hell. And there's all, way, there's all kinds of ways to do it. There's the organized way where the church organizes a time once a week uh, to go out door knocking. And if that's the only time you're trying to keep people out of hell, you've missed the boat. You've missed the boat horribly. Uh, in fact, that's an excuse for some people to have a, a clear conscience. If all they do is they go out once a week when it's organized by their... What about those unorganized times? What about those times uh, that uh, you, you see somebody and you hand them a track or you talk to them? One of my favorite ways of trying to, uh, to reach someone is I, talk, I, I see what their name is. I ask them their name. And sometimes that right there will fit in. I have had a fellow one time named Elijah. Elijah. And I said, Elijah, did you know that your name's in the Bible? He said, in the Bible? Now who would name their child Elijah and not tell them that's an, a Bible name? <laughs> you know? 
Uh, I thought about naming my kid Nebuchadnezzar. Call him Nebi. How, how, how much fun that would be. But uh, nevertheless, um, I like using names to try to uh, share the gospel with people. There are all kinds of ways. Uh, me and a friend, when we was in Bible college, he'd sit at one end of a, uh, a bus bench, and I'd sit at the other end of a bus bench, and these people would come in and they'd sit down between us, waiting on the bus to come by so that they could get on the bus and go somewhere. And I'd look down and I'd say, hey, is that you, Joe? And Joe says, hey, yeah, that's me. I say, hey, Joe, I heard, you, um, I, I heard you went to church. And all these people sitting in here between us. And they say, yeah, yeah, I went to church. Well, what happened? And man, I got saved. Oh, you got baptized. Oh, no, 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 no. Baptism has nothing to do with salvation. I said, oh, you turned over a new leaf and you're just going to be a better person. Oh, no, I, I've tried that many times. It don't work. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. All these people sitting in between listening. You see? That's one way of doing it. Um, another way of doing it, we've, we, him and I would be standing in line and there's all these people in front of us and try whispering just a little louder than normal. Hey, Joe, did you hear about John? No, what about John? He went to church. That rebel rouser went to church? Man, I tell you what, he was, if there ever was a sinner, he was a dirty, rotten, low-down sinner. Anytime you're whispering like that, people are just trying to hear what you have to say. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's not a will, there's an excuse. If you want to keep people out of hell, there's a way. And the church, successful church is a church that, that uh, converts or wins people to the Lord or tries their best to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also see in verse 41 that they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day uh, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Baptism characterizes a successful church. Uh, you get them saved, you get them baptized. By the way, if you got saved, you need to be baptized. You need to be scripturally baptized, okay? Under the authority of, of, of proper authority, okay? You need to be scripturally baptized, to be immersed, uh, to be put under. It, it pictures a death, a burial, a resurrection, to walk in newness of life. And so when someone is baptized, uh, they're saying, I identify with Jesus and his death, his burial, and raised to walk in newness of life, okay? Uh, baptism is, is very important. It has nothing to do with getting you to heaven. Zero. Zip, zero. Nothing. Uh, but it has something to do with, with you having a right relationship with the Lord after you've been saved. Alright, so we see that baptism characterizes a successful church. Uh, Bible study, in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. Bible study characterizes a successful church as well. Uh, the Bible ought to be everything to us. It is life for the dying. It is bread for the hungry. It is life for the blind. It is water for the thirsty. It is comfort for the bereaved. It is direction for the confused. It is help for the disabled. It is meat for the mature. It is healing for the hurting. It is strength for the sorrowing. It is truth for the dishonest. It is pattern to follow. It is a hammer to conquer. It is a fire for the cold. It is words for the preacher. It is a flower for the uh, to the botanist. It is a diamond to the jeweler. It is a help for the hopeless. It is a blueprint for the architect. It is fuel for the engine of life. It is music to the singer. 
It is the reason to shout. It is a reason to cry. It is the reason to prepare to meet God. It is reason to get saved. It is reason to get right and stay right. It is reason we assemble. It is reason we celebrate. It is reason we have hope. It is reason we meet on Sundays and Wednesdays and Saturday afternoons. It is reason we give invitation. It is reason we respond to invitation. Bible study. When we open up this book, it opens us up. When we read from God's Word, that's God speaking to us. When we pray, that's us speaking to God. And that's the way it ought to be. We read, we talk. We read, we talk. We read, we talk. That's uh, God's way of communicating to us. Uh, In verse 42, you see where they say, and in breaking of bread. How important is the Lord's Supper? It's a picture of what Jesus went through to purchase your salvation. What it cost God to save us. It cost us nothing. Zip zero. Nothing. But it cost God the darling of His heart. It required Jesus to do something He really didn't want to do. When He prayed, He said, not My will be done, but Thy will. He said, if there could be any other way, let this cup pass from me. What do you suppose that was? Do you suppose it was the beating that he was about to endure? No. Do you suppose it was when he was going to be stripped naked and going to be shamed before the world? No. I believe it was that moment when he who was holy became unholy. He became our sin bearer on the cross. And he cried out to God, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Abandoned by man, forsaken by God. That's why he makes it very clear, Jesus makes it very clear, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You will not be abandoned by Jesus. God had to turn his back on the darling of his heart. Because God could not look upon sin. And at that moment, Jesus became the sin, all the sin of the past, all the sin of the present, and all the sin of the future on the cross. Thank God for the price that Jesus was willing to pay. Not only does the Lord's Supper characterize that and a successful church, giving characterizes a successful church. You know, I have, never been, I have never had a tither complain about preaching on tithing. It's people most, most of the time that don't have a heart that's right with God on this subject of giving. And they, well, preacher, you're going to offend people. The Bible offends people. When you're preaching the whole counsel of God, that's part of it. I mean, if all you do is give 10%, you've given God nothing. Because that 10%, the Bible says, is the Lord's. When you give from your portion, the 90%, now you're giving something. When you give that 10%, that's proving your honesty. This is the Lord's, and I give it to Him through His church. Okay? So you're proving, you're proving that you're honest. And when you give from your 90%, giving from your portion, you're proving your love. You may want to give to the missions. You may want to give this, that, whatever. 
you know. And so giving characterizes a successful church. The Bible says in verse 45, and sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as every man had need. God promises to bless givers. The windows of heaven will open up and blessings will come out. I think parents ought to teach their children at a young age to give. I remember, <laughs> Brother Glenn Yoder, I remember uh, with my, my infant Timothy uh, taking him to church. And of course, I'm the pastor now. And we put a little Bible, trample child and way should go, and we put an offering. Now, he's just a baby. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Trample child and way they should go. Okay? And, uh, and so when we take the child to the uh, nursery, I, I, I heard some complaint from a, from a, from a, from a woman in the church. Uh, uh, she wasn't a young lady either. She was an older lady. Well, it's just more stuff for us to have to work with. Bless God, why don't you just bring diapers like everybody else instead of putting a Bible and money in there? You train up a child in the way they should go. You see? And, and, uh, and by the way, one of our biggest givers in the church is my son. Where did he learn that from? He learned that way before he was saved. We have people in our church that when they became expectant, uh, they were giving offerings, committing their baby for offerings uh, in missions and stuff like that. Now, all I, I'm not saying you have to do that. What I'm saying is, see an attitude of, of some givers? You see, there are two types of people. There are givers and there are takers. Takers <laughs> eat well. Givers sleep well. Okay? All right. Because you know you did right. Jesus said it's more blessed to what? Than to receive. You know why there's a bunch of sad folks in church when it comes to offering time? They put their funeral faces on. Have you ever noticed that? It ought to be a joyful thing. You ought to be glad you can give. You ought to be glad that you've got a job so that you can give. And there's all types of reasons we ought to be uh, happy with some things. So, I say this, that the uh, characteristic of a successful church is a giving church. Churches cannot be sustained with pocket change, but by Bible giving principles. Okay? Some people just tip God. Anything less than a tenth on what you're giving to the Lord is tip. Can you imagine tipping God like you'd tip a waitress? Here you go, God. You're, you're a good God. Here you go. Here's, a, here's, here's 8%. Some people think because they give in abundance, but it's not a tithe, because they give more than everybody else so they can flip in a few hundred dollars, that that's okay. No, that's not okay. You need to quit robbing God, get right with God, get your heart right with God, and have the right attitude when it comes to giving. And when the preacher says it's offering time, there ought to be amen, glory. You know, in our church, since, we've, uh, since COVID, what we did during COVID time is uh, we quit passing offering plates. We've got hand monitors everywhere to uh, keep people from having excuses from not being friendly. And uh, we, we quit passing, the, we put the offering plate in the back. Did you know that uh, we found out that givers give? Excuse makers, well, I couldn't find the offering plate. Givers give. 
We had a fellow here uh, just visiting the church here a few weeks ago. He said, Pastor, y'all didn't take up an offering. I said, no, we've got an offering plate back here. He said, where is it? I said, oh, it's, it's right over there. He reached down and threw some money in it. He had already determined he was going to give. You see, they, they, that, that ought to be the attitude of God's people. I mean, whatever struggle, whatever trouble it is, if you've got something that belongs to God, you need to get, get it to God. And thank God uh, that people have the right attitude. Now, uh, uh, giving characterizes a successful church. Uh, and lastly, in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added unto the church daily as, should be, uh, as such as should be saved. Alright? The Lord added daily. I believe that soul winning is a, is a part of the church. I, I, I'd rather uh, soul win than soul lose. <laughs> we ought to be trying to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give invitations. We preach the, uh, the, the word of God. We give invitations. We beg lost people to be saved. Uh, we take advantage of opportunities. We have tracks. We, uh, we, we live around people. We have, we have people in our church that put tracks in their... You know how you get this junk mail? Uh, in the junk mail, it has return envelopes that's already stamped. Yeah. Uh, they put a track in there and send it off. They don't put a return address, but they just send it off. I mean, it's already got a stamp. All their bills that they pay by mail, they put a track in. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's not a will, there's an excuse. And I'm telling you that, that we need to have the right attitude toward reaching the lost uh, at all costs. We just need to have the right attitude. Well, I want to say it's really good to be here at the Bible Baptist Church, and we've had, had a wonderful time, and, and it's good to meet some of you pastors. And, and I'm praying that God has His richest uh, blessings upon your church, that your churches and my church and this church can be blessable. God wants to bless this church and bless your churches, and uh, He wants to bless you. Thank you for coming. And uh, let's close in a word of prayer. And, and Brother uh, Yoder, if you need to give an invitation or just time of prayer or whatever, that'll be fine. Let me uh, have a word of prayer and then I turn it over to the pastor. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you.